Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Girly Homesteader podcast. Today we are talking all about garden planning and also garden journaling and documentation. I know that this probably isn't like the typical thing to talk about at this time of year generally. This is focused on at the beginning of the year, like in January and February, when we are itching to get outside. But I do think that specifically when it comes to garden journaling and documentation, that is something that is easily overlooked, but it's very important to do at this time of year. That way, when everything is fresh in your mind after the summer season, you can document it. That way you don't forget for next year. So Today I'm going to be talking about that and also my journey and how my views on things have changed and also how my tactics have changed. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to season two of the Girly Homesteader podcast. I'm your host, Laura, a girly homesteader living in Xenia, Ohio with my husband, chickens, bees, and garden. This is my second year homesteading, and in 2023, I am hoping to hone some of the skills I learned in 2022, specifically in the garden and kitchen. This podcast is meant to be a bridge between nature-centered homesteading and the more girly aspects of being a woman, like non-toxic skincare, makeup, and hair care. So if you're looking for a lifestyle podcast that also talks about random aspects of homestead life, like dirty chicken feet, being attacked by bees, monthly garden goals, food preservation ideas, and sourdough that doesn't always rise, you're in the right place and you've found a girlfriend in homesteading. So first of all, when it comes to garden planning, and garden journaling. Those are very different things. Sometimes I feel that phrase is used interchangeably, like a garden journal or a garden planner, but they are different. Now, do they go together? Yes, definitely they do, but they definitely have very different purposes. And so I have like completely overhauled the way that I do my garden planning and journaling. So If you have been listening to this podcast since the beginning, I started this podcast in 2022, and that was the year that I wanted to try and grow as much food as I could. That was my first year really getting into the garden instead of like just a summer season, but also focusing on spring and fall as well. So again, 2022 is when I had my first intentional garden, I guess you can say. And it was supposed to be our primary food source. Um, I wasn't just doing it to have fun or to surplus what we were getting from the store or from local farms. I wanted it to be my primary food source. So in 2022, at the beginning of the year, probably in February, I bought just a plain old planner from Target. Eight and a half by 11, big size, and it's just kind of your standard planner with both calendar views like a like a whole month view and then also weekly spreads. I also do want to clarify here that this podcast is probably more so for those people who like paper, like writing things down with pen and paper. Um if you are more of a digital person, that's fine. You might still get some like some something out of this, but 
it's definitely more so for those of us who like our traditional pen and paper. We like to highlight things. We like to color code things. Um, So this podcast episode is for all of us who are that way. Um, I know you guys are out there. So anyways, I started out 2022 converting a regular planner into my garden journal and my garden planner. At that time, I was very focused on things that probably just did not matter in the long run. Um, Now, was it a good exercise for me to really keep track of the temperatures of everything everywhere outside? You know, sure, whatever. But what we know as gardeners is that every year is different. The weather is different every single year. You can't control it. And a lot of what you do is affected by the weather. Now, on top of that, though, gardening is like an experiment. It's just much like tons of experiments going all at once. And so because of that, you can make your plan and you can like, you know, enact it perfectly. But if you're not keeping track of the results of your experiment, then what's the point really in planning? And so that's why I think that garden journaling is one of those things and the documentation is one of those things that just, it gets overlooked. And especially at this time of year, it's something that is very, very important because I think most of us gardeners out there, probably our biggest season, the season when most of us are doing most of our preserving, like we're growing things to preserve, like tomatoes specifically, um, that is the biggest growing season for everybody. I'm also speaking as someone who is in the Midwest. And so for us, our winters, you might be growing something, but most likely not during January and February. And so that summer season is the big season. And I know that we're all overwhelmed right now. I know that we're busy, but if you can take just at least a little bit of time to try to journal and document, I don't really want to say journal because journal ends up making it sound like you need to have this super like relaxing sort of Zen moment in the garden where you're standing there with your pretty notebook with a cup of coffee, you know, watching the bees pollinate things. And like, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be this long drawn out process. It doesn't have to be done every day. Honestly, you can journal and document like maybe twice a month or maybe even just once a month. But anyways, I'm starting to get a little bit off topic and ahead of myself. So back to how I started. I started with this just plain planner from Target. And honestly, I kind of think I was using it completely backwards. (laughs) So what I have discovered in these past like year and a half ish of really being into gardening, intentional gardening, I've discovered that the most important thing is having things readily accessible and easy to read and concise. Concise is very important. So the way I went about things in the past is that I would use this planner and I would plan out what I intended to do with those monthly spreads. And those are two pages long. And then I would document everything that was actually happening happening, and everything that I did do on the weekly spread. So those would span, I don't know, sometimes even eight pages, eight to 10 pages actually. And so what I did there is I put the most valuable information of what actually ended up happening in the part of the planner that took up the most space. And so again, concise is very, very important. Because I'm sure, as you know, 
If you are in the springtime and you're all excited to start seeds and you're just like, you know, so ready to start getting in the dirt, um, you have your seeds all ready to go. The last thing that you want to do is go find your whole like planner, calendar, notebook thing from last year and page through tons of pages to try and figure out when you did things and why. So what I realized is that for me, it makes just so much more sense to have a general summary page where I can note down exactly what I did and what happened with it. So what I think makes the most sense now in hindsight is I should have used the weekly views as the place where I can plan because that, you know, there's more space to flip through whatever less pages or there's more pages to turn there, but it doesn't really matter because that's just the planning page. What I should have done is I should have used that monthly layout as the place where I document what actually happened because that's only two pages so that next year I'm only looking at two pages. I'm not looking through like 10 to try and figure out when I planted things. So that was one really, really big thing that I discovered. The other thing I discovered too, is that some of the stuff that I was keeping track of was just pretty pointless. I hinted that at that earlier. Um, there was a point where I was tracking all of the temperatures everywhere. <laughs> I was tracking the temperature at my garden, just like the ambient temperature. And then I was also tracking the temperature underneath my low tunnels. And I was doing this even before I started planting things. My reasoning here is because I was just trying to get a feel of how much uh, the temperature could fluctuate and change based off of my plastic. And so, yes, that is helpful. But I was doing this like every single day. And did I ever go back and actually look at that? No. And also the other thing, too, is, I mean, it doesn't matter if on March 5th of 2020, it was 45 degrees. If next year it's only 17, you know, you, you can do, you can't do the things that you were doing then when it was 45. Like again, every year is going to be different. So I was tracking all of these things that again, sure, it put me in a good practice, but it's probably stuff that I didn't really need to keep track of. What would have been more important for me to keep track of was the actual dates that I planted things. And again, in a more concise space because I did do that. But the thing is, though, I had to flip through pages and pages and pages to try and figure out when I planted peas, for instance. Um, I didn't have anything organized by season either. And that is another thing that I think that most planners out there are really lacking. And so actually, that is part of the reason why I created my own gardening and calendar, uh, homesteading planner because of that seasonal aspect. So what I think makes the most sense, and I hope this makes sense to you, would be to have a space that is specifically dedicated to the seasons. Because I don't know about you, but like in my head, I know that my cabbages are a spring crop, but I don't really know off the top of my head whether they needed to be started in February or March or April or May. I have no idea. All I know is that they are a cool weather crop or a spring crop. Also, when it comes to tomatoes, I know maybe that I'm going to be starting them in spring, but I'm not putting them out really until like summer and I'm not harvesting in summer. Those are a warm weather thing. And so in my head, I just, it was really, really frustrating to flip through this planner from Target 
and just try hunting for the things that I was looking for, like the things that I had documented. It was just really frustrating to flip through all of those pages. So again, the whole seasonal aspect is something that I think most planners are missing. I also think it's really irritating too when you're trying to plan out your garden and you can't see the whole season at once. Because again, as I said, you know, maybe your kohlrabi gets started in February, but if you can't remember that off the top of your, your head, you're going to be flipping through pages and pages and pages. So yes, that was part of my journey. And then the other thing that happened to me is that midway through 2022, so last year, probably near the end of that year, what I realized was that I really did not like having my garden journal separate from, or my garden planner. I didn't like having it separate from the planner that I was using just to keep track of my own daily life. So back to the digital versus paper thing. I do love some things digital. I really do. Like my Google calendar, where I keep track of my clients for my business that I have. I do that on Google. There is no way in the world that I'd be able to keep track of everything. And like, just with rescheduling, there's no way that I'd be able to do that on paper. But just for my everyday like to-do lists and things, I do like paper. There is something about scratching things off. But anyways, I needed to combine both things together. And that is why I discovered the plum paper planners. I've talked about them many times on the podcast. But what I realized though, is I was still sticking to that same form of documentation where I was writing down everything that I was doing on those weekly spreads of the planner. And so I would still have to be flipping through pages and pages and pages to figure out when I was planting things or like to reference back to, I mean, and I guess in my head, I figured, oh yeah, you know, I'll have this beautiful shelf (laughs) of my previous garden journals and I would have them, you know, marked year by year and I'd be able to go and I'd be able to reference and flip through the pages and it would be this beautiful thing. But again, the reality is when you are in the busy seasons of spring and summer, You don't have the time really to go and reference all of that. You need it to be ready, concise, and right in the space that you are working. And so maybe if you are someone that likes to have your separate garden journal, this doesn't apply to you as much. But for me, I wanted those most important concise pages to be ready to reference for me like very easily. And so that's when I started discovering and realizing that the most critical pages of that previous planner setup were the pages that showed the entire month because those again were concise. I was able to write down everything that I did day by day. I could color code it if I wanted to, like a color for planting, a color for harvesting, a color for maintenance, whatever. I was able to do all that, but by being on those two pages, it was concise. So that way I could have a much smaller thing to flip through that way in the next year. So say in 2024, this coming spring, I will have way less pages to flip through and I will be able to get a better idea of what I need to change compared to last year. Um, just more easily, you know, you're not searching through pages and pages. It's like comparing the old way that we had to look things up in grade school and encyclopedias versus now when you can just type something into Google before 
you had to do all of this cross-referencing, you know, find your index of the encyclopedia, go look it up. Um, you know, that is essentially what these pages and pages of notes are like. But if you have something that's just more easily accessible, you have things organized by season and then by month, it just makes more sense. Less pages to search through. So after the break, I'm going to get more in depth into kind of my journey through planning where I'm at now and talk a little bit more of the homestead planner that I created. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Grubly Farms, the brand of chicken food and treats I use for my own flock. What's always been important to me is making sure my girls get a non-soy protein source, but Grubly Farms takes it one step further by using food waste to raise the black soldier fly larvae that they then turn into insect-based protein. This is way more natural for chickens than the fish-based food I used to use. Grubly Farms is also higher in calcium than other feeds because it is made of insects, and I've definitely noticed stronger eggshells because of it. My girls go crazy for the crumbled food, but you can shop all their products with a link in the show notes, and you can get 25% off your first order by using the code GIRLYHOMESTEADER at checkout. So what do I do now compared to what I did then? Well, If I was a brand new gardener and I was wanting to do things as simply as possible, I would recommend that you go to wherever, Target, Walmart, whatever, buy yourself a planner and use it backwards (laughs) compared to how I was using it before. What I would do is I would do all of your planning with the weekly spreads in the planner as best as you can, and then... You keep track of what actually happens on those monthly spreads, specifically because those are the most concise pages. Now, that is if you want to be very, very basic. If you want to get a little bit more seasonal and organize things in a way that I think makes more sense to the gardener's mind, I would recommend my planner, of course. Now, I am very biased, but I do also want to say here that I created this planner with the help of nine other people, okay? I had created the pages that I was already using myself for my planning, but then once it came to specifically the seasonal sections of this planner, I wanted input. I wanted to make sure that this was something that would be helpful for more than just me, okay? Um, So the key differences here between my homestead journal, my garden journal, my garden planner, garden journal, whatever you want to call it, the thing that makes it different is the seasonal aspect of it, okay? So the planner is organized into three different ways. There is first a yearly overview, which allows you to just view the whole year at once, There's an overview there specifically for your growing goals. And so each month of the year is listed at the top. Down the left side, you can write down all of the things you wish to grow in a year. And then what you can do is you can go across and check the boxes where you would ideally like to be harvesting or growing, whichever you would like to use, um, harvesting or growing that crop. And that helps you like remember all that you wanted to plant in fall Um, by the time you get to fall, because again, most of us are burnt out after summer 
We are in the busy season. We are probably sick of our gardens too because of the weeds, because of the pests. But if you have everything written down that you had dreamt for yourself at the beginning of the year, um, you will be much more likely to actually take that into action rather than just giving up after summer because there is still so much more that you can grow in the garden in fall. So the beginning of the planner, again, it focuses on the yearly overview. After that, you get the seasonal sections. And I keep talking about these seasonal sections because they are so important. The first page is very simple, but it is very, very powerful because at the top of it, you have a specific pay, place, I'm sorry, a specific place that forces you to go back to your notes from the previous year and write down what the heck happened. Because I think a lot of times we are, you know, just like blinded by the newness of the season, especially at the beginning of the year, you know, it's February and it's cold outside and your garden is bare and there is so much potential in it that is very easily easy to get like blinded by everything that you are seeing on social media and like completely forgetting about your specific environment and like what actually works for you. And so by having a spot right there at the beginning of the season to write down what happened last year in a summary, you're automatically forced to be like more into your actual zone, your climate, into your garden space. Then there's a place to write down your main goals for that season. And then at the end, there's a place to summarize what happened that season. And then also a place to write down your biggest wins and your biggest setbacks. That page right there is the concise page that you will want to reference to in the years that follow. On the back side of that page, there is a detailed plan, just lines where you can write to your heart's content, do all of the details that you want. That page right there, I think is critical because it compiles everything that you would put in that monthly spread all onto one page. Other pages that are very helpful in that seasonal section are the planning pages. And this is, again, the thing that I talked about before the break is that, again, cabbage, kohlrabi, all of those things. I know that they're in spring. I just don't know off the top of my head which month of spring I'm supposed to be harvesting or planting. And so if I have everything, all of my spring crops listed on one page with the recommended dates and then the dates that I choose to plant them, I'm no longer having to flip through a whole planner full of pages to figure out and remember when the heck I have to start seeds. That way, everything is just on one page. All you have to do is flip back to that page and know if you're starting seeds that week or not. That is another huge, huge, important page. Another page that I really like in the seasonal sections of my homestead planner are the seed starting pages. <sighs> I really like the seed starting pages and these I got a lot of help from with those nine other homesteaders that I reached out to who were part of like this brainchild to create this thing. And so this seed starting section, it has tons of space to write down when you start your seeds, the variety, what type of thing it is. So like if you're starting tomatoes, you can write tomato, then your exact variety like lollipop cherry. Then you can write when you started the seed. You can write when you ger or when it germinated, when you pot it up, when you start hardening it off. And then you also have a space for notes. So you have two full spreads of this, meaning there's four pages of space to write down your seed starting. 
And then on top of that, there's also seed like inventory and ranking pages. This is something that I haven't gotten into as much yet. It's something that I have wanted to. I just have never liked how I did it and it didn't make sense to me. But then one of these people who was helping me design the planner, she said, hey, can we put seed starting or I'm sorry, seed inventory and ranking in the seasons? And that just made total sense because I know a lot of us, myself included, we will buy specific seeds for that specific time of year. Like maybe in the summer, you will buy a heat tolerant lettuce, but then in the winter time, you're going to buy a cold tolerant lettuce. And so your seeds are going to change from season to season. And so in this spread, you have a way to write down the seed where you got it from and give it some notes and also a ranking one to five stars. So some of those things you're never going to find in just your typical planner. And from what I have seen, they don't exist in other homestead or garden planners out there. So those season sections, I think, are just absolutely vital. So then the third way that my garden journal is organized is by month. And so this is where it gets a little bit more typical, I would say. Um, there is that summary page right at the beginning where you can write down your notes from the previous year. So again, it's forcing you to backtrack and look at what you did last year. So you have that space, you have your three goals to fill out your summary and also your wins and your setbacks. But then what it has is each month, it has that monthly spread like I was talking about in the beginning of this episode. It has the space where you can actually write down what happens day by day. And it's concise because again, it's only two pages, a two page spread. So that you can write down on this day, I started X. On this day, I started Y. Because what I noticed from my previous ways of tracking everything is that, you know, I would have this grand plan of, you know, okay, this day I can start seeds. But the reality is life doesn't just work out so that every single day that you pick to plant seeds, you'll actually have the time to do it when the time comes around. Like that's just not how it works. So um, this monthly view, it's where you can actually write down what happens day by day. And again, if you want to use a traditional planner to do this, that's fine. But what I would recommend is that you take that monthly calendar view and that's where you write down what actually happened. And then the other weekly layouts, that's when you can do your planning. And then that way for later years, when you need to reference things, there's way more pages to flip through. So what I am doing now, now that I've explained a little bit more about my homestead planner, my garden journal that I've created, what I do is I combine it with my plum paper planner. Again, I am a huge proponent of plum paper. I am not affiliated with them at all, but I just love them. They're beautiful. And honestly, how pretty they are, that is what I noticed was missing from the homestead journal, the garden journal world, because even some of the big names out there who have created their own garden journals, I'm sorry, but they're really ugly on the inside. They're just like black and white pages. Nothing is color coded and nothing is pretty. It's just honestly very, very basic. And yes, maybe the way that they have things planned out is functional, but you know what? The prettier something is, the more likely I am to use it. That's just how it is. And I know that a lot of us are like that. So 
What I tried to do was combine the beauty and the prettiness of my plum paper planner with the pages that I was creating for us homesteaders and us gardeners. That's why every single season is color-coded. That's why the months that go into those seasons are color-coded too. And it just is really, really pretty. I'm sorry, but it's just pretty. So anyways, what I do is I have my plum paper planner and I add in these homestead pages into my planner. Now, so let's say we're going to finish up 2023 this year. Eventually, I know we're not there yet, but eventually this year is going to end and I will start preparing for next season. As you guys know, if you have been listening a lot to the podcast, I have had some ups and downs, a lot of downs this garden season, and I have learned a lot. And so what I will be doing is I will be saving those most critical, concise pages from my 2023 notes, and I'm going to put them right in with my 2024 plan. That way I can quickly reference year to year. So the pages that I will be taking from 2023 will be those seasonal overview pages that I mentioned where you have your notes from last year, your goals, your summary. I will be including those in my quick reference pages. And then I will also be putting the monthly spreads into my quick reference too, because then I can reference year to year and see, just like give myself some reminders about when I started things and when <laughs> maybe when I started things too early, because I know that I did that a lot this year. And I was, you know, I'm guilty, just like everybody is out there. You know, it's February, you're excited, you want to get radish seeds in the ground because they're the first thing that grow. And then it gets really, really cold and you're mad, but that's just what happens when you're living in the Midwest. <laughs> so hopefully by having these pages as a reference for me for next year, I'll be able to like remember, oh yeah, that actually didn't work out as well as it did. And I know that that's how what's going to happen because actually just yesterday, I love my new system so much that I went through my old system and I went through week by week and I transferred everything in to these other monthly pages. That way I could have that quick reference. And even now in September, looking back at my notes from like March and April, man, I, <laughs> it brought up those feelings of saying, shit, yeah, I started things too early. Just like my tomatoes and peppers, I started those way too early, but I was too excited and they were too big when I put them out that I think they were honestly so big and so established in their pots that they went through even more shock. But again, I'm going to get into a summer garden summary in the next couple weeks or so. So I'll get to that eventually. But I know that even just from the um, just from the process of transferring my notes from my old system into my new system, it brought up all those memories. And I'm just so thankful that I'm going to have them easily accessible and ready to read and reference to in 2024. So uh, that was a lot about journaling. And I... <laughs> I am one of those people. I just love color coding. I love pens. I love paper. I do still love my digital things though, because I will say one part of the journal or the, the garden journal that I created has is it has just your typical grid paper layouts. I put that in there because it was requested, but honestly, that's not the way my brain works when it comes to actually mapping out like the actual physical map of my garden. I like digital for that. 
and I will always recommend the Planter app. And again, I'm not affiliated with them either, but they are a fantastic app. It allows you to drag and drop your garden, adjust your layouts very, very easily. So for me, I like a combination of things. I like my paper that I can reference to, but then also when there's lots of things that are being changed quickly or like all the time, I guess I should say, lots of iterations, I do like digital. And so I put those grid pages in there for those of you that do like to draw out and map out your garden by paper. But if you don't want to use it, you don't have to. You could put notes there or you can just not use them. I just don't use them. But that's just me. This planner is meant to be completely customizable for the way that you use it. Yes, it is organized by season and by month as a typical planner would be. But because it is not like bound in a way that is permanent, it is either disc bound or put in a three ring binder. What you have the ability to do is to arrange it however you want. Because I know that next year, once I start taking these reference pages from 2023 and putting them with my 2024 planner, I'm going to keep all of 2023 together concise. But the rest of the year, the active year that I am planning out, I'm going to have everything organized differently. Now, some people, you might want to have all of your seasons together and then all your months separate. That might make more sense to you. I can see the perks of that. You have spring, summer, fall, winter all together, and then you have your months later. Or you can be like me and you have your spring pages before March, April, May. You have your summer pages before June, July, August, and so on. It's up to you. You can completely change how you want this to be organized, that way it fits the way that your mind works. So again, it's customizable, it's color-coded, it's printed on very high-quality paper that doesn't bleed, so you can use your markers and all of your things, the way I do. <laughs> um, it's totally up to you. So as a listener of the podcast, you get 15% off with the code podcast. I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but... Again, if you aren't looking for something that's super, super like garden plant or like garden specific, I get it because that's how I was back when I started. I completely get it. My plan actually originally before I bought that planner at Target, it was to use a free wall calendar and write down when I did things. But what I quickly discovered <laughs> was that it just wasn't pretty enough for me. And so that's why I bought that planner at Target. So if you want to go that route because you're just not sure how this whole gardening thing is going to work out for you, that's okay. I recommend starting with whatever planner you want to get, but again, using it in a way where you write down what actually happens. You document the actual things that you are planting in that monthly spread just because it is more concise. Use those other pages for planning out, kind of giving yourself a general idea of when you want to do things. So... That's my two cents, and that is why I created, again, my homestead planner, which I'm referring to as the girly homestead planner, of course. So thank you very, very much for listening. I hope this episode was helpful and just kind of hearing about my journey through this whole planning, uh, because now back in hindsight, oh man, I wish I would have planned things differently, uh, because now looking through all of my notes from those previous years and previous months, it's just really frustrating to look through, which is why I have taken the time to transfer everything into this new 
more garden appropriate system. So again, use the code podcast when you check out and the link will be in the show notes so you can get 15% off as a listener of the podcast. So again, thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Girly Homesteader podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you want to share more in my journey, follow me on Instagram at the Girly Homesteader.